it's something called called alpenglow, where when the, the sun first starts hitting these peaks, they kind of just glow red, and there's uh, not much that's more beautiful than that. Oh, yeah. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 54, Jeff Golden on climbing Colorado's 14,000-foot peaks. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Today, our adventure sport is climbing 14ers, and we have Jeff Golden with us. Jeff grew up in uh, North Carolina. When he got out of college, he moved to New Mexico for his first job, and he heard about 14ers then, and that's when he started climbing 14ers only five years ago. Now he lives in Golden and works for the Colorado Mountain Club, which is really awesome. Jeff has not only climbed all the 14ers, and we're going to talk a little bit about how many of those there are. In Colorado, uh, the number ranges between 54 and 58, but he's not only climbed all of those, he has also climbed many of them several times. So he has summited about 130 times on 14ers, and he has also climbed 13ers, and he has somewhere in the ballpark of 300 summits under his belt now in just five years. So that's pretty aggressive. So Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Jeff, take a few minutes to tell our listeners more about yourself and your connection to climbing 14ers. Sure. Well, I'm uh, 29 years old. And, and like you said, I, I moved here from North Carolina right when I graduated college, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And I, I kind of lived here about a year in northern New Mexico and could see, you know, just the very tips of some of the, the southern San Juan mountains. And they were always kind of intriguing to me, but I, I didn't know anything about them. I, you know, lived in the city or, or near the beach pretty much my whole life. And I knew almost nothing about mountain climbing. And I, you know, just kind of got sort of interested into it. I read uh, a couple of books from the famous American mountaineer Ed Vesters and just kind of worked myself up to it. I, I did some more research, found 14ers.com and, and kind of found some routes that looked like they might be doable for somebody who had no idea what they were doing. And I just, just went and tried it. I tried uh, and failed. I'll get to the story later, but I tried and failed on Mount Sneffels for my very first time. Uh, but it was such a great experience. It was, you know, one of the most amazing days of my life. And I've been, I've been hitting it hard ever since. Um, now I climb, climb and hike pretty much year round, uh, winter 14ers, uh, spring snow climbing is one of my favorite things. It's been a bummer that the spring has, has had such horrific weather because I haven't been able to get, a, get out as much as I usually do. Yeah, it's uh, been crazy. <laughs> yeah, and now there's finally a ton of snow and it's too hot. All, you know, everything's melting out and the snow is not in good condition. So we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of ready for, for summer to start and have a, have a light pack and some trail runners on my feet. There you go. I'm one of the few people out there, I think, that has the, the privilege of having a job doing what they love. You know, I work for the Colorado Mountain Club in a, in a marketing role and, uh, you know, it, it's great to be able to, you know, I love the mountains. I'm out. I'm out there in some capacity almost every weekend. And then to be able to spend my work week talking mountains and marketing mountains and, you know, helping people gain access to the mountains, you know, it's a, uh, I consider myself pretty lucky in that regard. Oh yeah. That is awesome opportunity when you get to do what you love and love what you do. So mm -hmm. that's really cool. Why would you encourage people 
to uh, take up climbing 14ers. And I, I should mention this. We've talked about 14ers on the show before, but there may be a guest out there that's not from a Colorado and may not know what we're talking about. So a 14er is a 14,000-plus-foot-tall peak. And most of the 14ers in the continental U.S. are in Colorado. The 14er sport is centered around Colorado and climbing these big mountains. So, But why would you encourage people to do this? How much time do you have? <laughs> um, well, you know, I'll try and keep it short, but I think one of the, one of the coolest things about the 14ers is that they're, they're kind of mountaineering 101. You know, almost anybody can climb a 14er. You know, some of the easier ones I've seen, you know, anywhere from four year old children to amputees to 90 year old people that are, you know, standing on the summits of some of these 14ers. So there's not really, you know, if anybody's looking out there and saying, Oh, that mountain's so big, there's no way I could do it. I mean, I, I guarantee you, if you, Set your mind to it. Maybe do a little bit of training beforehand. You know, almost anybody can can summit a 14er, and they range from from those you know simple uh, walk ups that you know you can you can go from car to car in four or five hours on some of these. You know, they're just half day hikes, and they range all the way from that to pretty technical exposed summits. That a lot of people, it's kind of a misnomer misconception that uh, a lot of 14ers need ropes, but you can actually do all the 14ers quite reasonably without using any gear. They're just hikes and scrambles. But uh, some of the more difficult ones get pretty crazy. Like Capitol Peak has the famous knife edge that I think most people in Colorado that are familiar with mountains uh, will probably know about. But it's you're basically just sitting on exactly what it sounds like. It's just a, a knife edge, a V of rock, and there's a thousand, two thousand feet on either side of each each leg. So it's uh, pretty intense, but it's still considered safe enough that most people don't uh, need ropes. So there's you know whether you're looking to do your first 14er and you don't know anything about what you're doing you know like kind of how I started and how a lot of people started through where you're really looking to challenge yourself and push yourself and get that huge adrenaline rush you know there's there's something for everybody which i think is really cool and when i say it's mountaineering 101 you know most people will start with those easier ones gradually work up to the more difficult ones and and do peaks like like capital peak you know really near the end of their list and then once you finish the 14ers it's it opens up a whole new world of mountaineering. I mean, if you can, if you can climb all the 14ers, you can, you can do stuff. You, you have the skill set, you have the knowledge to, to go out there and do Mount Rainier and, you know, travel internationally and, and climb, you know, Denali and Aconcagua and the other seven summits. Uh, it, it's a really great way if you don't know anything about mountain climbing or if you do know about mountain climbing and just want to hone your skills. Uh, the 14ers are, are a great training ground that, you know, we Coloradans have here in our backyard. So. For our listeners, describe what a typical day of climbing a 14er entails. What is it like? Well, that's another thing that I, I think is cool about 14ers that I was going to mention is that each one, you know, even the ones I've done some of them eight or nine times now, and each one is a little, little micro adventure. You know, there's no, out of all the days I've had in the mountains, there haven't been two alike. There's always something new, some new story, some different perspective. Uh, but you know, trying to generalize most of them, you know, the average 14er will, t- will be between a, a six and 10 hour hike. And that includes a round trip mileage of probably eight to 12 miles, 3000 to 4,500 feet of elevation gain. So, I mean, these are big days. You're burning a lot of calories. You do have to be in shape, but you have to start early in the morning because in Colorado in the summer, especially we have afternoon thunderstorms. And so in general, you know, you you time out how long you think it's going to take. If you think it's going to be an eight hour day, you plan to be back at the car, early afternoon, you know, leaving the summit no later than, than about noon. And so you're starting sometimes at, you know, four or five in the morning in the dark with your headlamp. And, um, you see some of the most beautiful sunrises of your life. You know, there's nothing that can compare to a sunrise in the mountains. 
And a lot of them will start off with either a well-maintained trail or a talus trail on, on rocks that's very easy to follow. Um, if it gets kind of thin, there's, there's cairns and stuff. So most of the 14ers are very well marked, uh, thanks to work, to the work of organizations like the Colorado Mountain Club and the Colorado 14ers initiative. But the higher you get, usually the trails get a little bit more difficult. Um, very few of them have a true dirt trail all the way to the top. Even the easier ones, sometimes you have to go over some, some loose rock where there's not an obvious way. And some of them will require scrambling where you're using your hands. There's a class rating system from class one to class five with class one being walking on a well-maintained trail and class five being roped rock climbing. And, you know, there's everything in between. Most of the time you'll be back at the car before those afternoon thunderstorms start, which are are very much like clockwork. You can almost bank on them and you'll be good and ready for a nice beer, hamburger and a nap by the time you're done. (laughs) You know, in my experience, having climbed 14ers with a lot of different people, it seems like for a lot of people, it's more of a mental game than anything else. And I think it's because they get good and tired to the point that they realize, you know, they, they want to stop. I just, I'll just say it that way. You get to the point that you want to stop. But what's funny about that level of, of exhaustion is that you can continue for another 10 hours at that level and not get much worse. But it is a head game to do it, especially when you get up above 12,500 feet. The air gets thin. The trees are gone. People start struggling to get the air that they want. You know, and it, of course, it depends on where you sleep at night, what you're acclimated for, and that sort of thing. But I've seen some people get altitude sickness and just sit down and say, "Leave me here, I'm gonna die." <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know, one of the one of the things I always try and press home. You know, I, I always have have friends and such from Denver that want to go up and do their first fourteener every summer and want me to go with them. And I, I really enjoy doing that. You know, sharing the mountains with people and, and you know, hopefully. Some of them will get the bug like I did after my first try. But one of the things I always emphasize to people is that it is a mental game. And that's why anybody, almost anybody physically can do it. It's a matter of, of mind over matter. And one of the best things you can do, you know, you see, especially young college age guys, you know, just trying to, to hammer down and go as fast as they can. And they're trying to pass everybody on the trail. Um, but I think the smartest thing you can do when you're hiking a 14er is, is look at it like a marathon. Cause in a lot of ways it is. And you just have to, to slow down, uh, go at a conversational pace. You know, you don't want to be out of breath. You want to stop once an hour or so, sit down, rest, uh, make sure you're, you're constantly drinking water, you know, keep, keep food in your pocket so you can just be constantly snacking on it. And the more you can do to stay hydrated and keep your energy levels up and just take it slow, uh, the much more enjoyable the experience is going to be. Oh yeah, I agree. And you know, on a well-maintained trail, a 20 minute mile is a solid pace. Mm-hmm. On these 14ers, I usually tell people plan about an hour per mile. Yeah. And it's the same rule of thumb. It's, it's about an hour, maybe a little bit over a mile, uh, over an hour per 1000 feet of elevation as well. It's yeah. A good rule of thumb. It's just that, um, hiking slows way down when you get to the steeps above tree line. It's, it's not the same thing as cruising down that lower elevation trail. So. But it is a ton of fun. So what mountains would you recommend people to try if they want to try a first 14er? What would you say? You know, most people from Denver stay in the front range and there, there are several peaks near here that are, you know, class one or class two considered pretty easy. Uh, Mount Bierstadt, Grays and Tories peaks you can do, um, combined at about the same effort. You can do a single mountain, a group of four called the Decalibron, which is Mount Democrat, Mount Bross, Mount Cameron and Mount Lincoln. 
uh, can be done. Same, same as Grays and Tories. It's to do all four of those peaks is the same as doing, uh, one peak a lot of the times. Uh, the problem is that these are also so close to Denver and people know that they are easy climbs. And so they're, it's pretty common for some of these peaks. I think I saw a stat recently where Mount, Mount Beerstadt on a summer, uh, weekend day can see between three and 400 people. Wow. It's just, it's just a train, you know, it's a conga line of people, uh, which is fine. You know, my suggestion, if you're going to do some of those peaks is to try and do, uh, do them during the week, maybe do them in the shoulder season. You know, once, once school starts back up in September and October, the weather's still really nice. Uh, but the, the crowds are a lot more diminished. There's also some that, you know, the farther from Denver you go, the less crowded they're going to be. Uh, one I always try and recommend is, is Huron Peak. That's exactly what I was going to recommend. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful hike. It's one of the prettiest 14er hikes there is. And you get this great view of these 13ers called the Three Apostles. And, uh, because it's, you know, an extra hour or so from Denver, the crowds are cut in, you know, quarter. Uh, there's, you know, there's still any, almost any peak in the summers, you're going to see other people and you're probably going to see a significant amount. But, uh, the farther from Denver you go, kind of the more pleasurable it gets. Yeah, I would agree. What do you think the easiest 14er is? There's a debate about that. Yeah, it, uh, I guess it, it depends on, on where you start. I mean, if you go, there's a, a peak called Handy's Peak down in the San Juans, which is another comparable to Huron. It's, it's just gorgeous, especially if you go in late June, early July when the wildflowers are really, really popping. It's, uh, one of my favorite hikes, but you can, uh, drive if you have a Jeep or, you know, a, a good four wheel drive vehicle, you can drive to it within, uh, I think about 2000 feet of the summit. And so it's, you can be up and down on it and it's a nice trail the entire way, a nice dirt path. There's no, no rock hopping or anything. I mean, you can go from your Jeep to the summit back to the Jeep in three hours. So that's pretty quick. Yeah. That's, uh, that's probably the easiest one. If you want to say near Denver in the front range, uh, Mount Beerset is probably the easiest, I would say. So let's go to the other end of the, of the spectrum. What about the most difficult peak? Well, I, I take a slightly different spin on this and I'll say the most dangerous peak because most difficult could be, could be debated. You know, some people would say Capitol Peak. Some people could say, uh, Mount Wilson, you know, but I, it just depends on what you're comfortable with. I would say the most dangerous peak is, is not debatable at all. And that's Little Bear Peak, which is in the Sangre de Cristo range, kind of down near Alamosa. And you have to, the standard route goes up this, this couar, this, this funnel, this goalie called the hourglass. And it's just the best way I can describe it is, uh, it's a ramp of basketball sized marbles and they're just rolling down consistently. And if, um, they fall down on their own plenty, but if you have people climbing above you, you know, they're, it's almost impossible not to be dodging rocks while you're climbing that mountain. And you're, you're in this really tight, uh, notch that there's, there's really nowhere you can go to avoid it. So you really have to be super careful, wear a helmet, try and start early to make sure there's nobody above you. Uh, but it's, it's just a bowling alley of, of rocks that want to hurt you and kill you. And so yeah. it's very, very dangerous mountain. The, the backside of Crestone Peak is another one like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just crazy. love mountains you are not alone jerry roach is well known for his extraordinary and detailed guidebook colorado 14ers but did you know that jerry has written 15 books including guidebooks to 13ers indian peaks rocky mountain national park and more 
But he's also written narratives about a lifetime of mountaineering full of Jerry's insights and humor. If you like adventure, then these books are for you. Jerry Roach's books can be purchased at his website, summitsite.com. That's S-U-M-M-I-T-S-I-G-H-T.com, as well as on Amazon and in bookstores near you. If you're thinking about your future, think about Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. Think a beautiful mountain campus where hiking, biking, kayaking, and snow riding are right outside your door. Think a friendly community buzzing with music, arts, events, and sports. Think faculty mentors, real research, and professional experiences that prepare you to both make a living and make a life. If you think college should be an adventure, think Fort Lewis College. See for yourself at fortlewis.edu. That kind of gives people a sketch of what climbing 14ers might be about. But will you tell us a story of a really amazing experience that you had that just convinced you that this, this was the sport for you? Sure. Um, well, it's easy because, like I said, I, I tried my first 14er, which was Mount Snuffles, uh, down near Ure, Telluride area. And I don't know. Like I said, I worked up to it. At first, I thought, you know, there's no way I can do this. You know, I'm a, I'm a beach bum. I like surfing. I can't do it. I can't go mountain climbing, you know it. The heaviest jacket I had when I moved out here was a thin fleece. I just got hooked right away. And, and because it was such an amazing experience, even without fully achieving the summit, um, I, I went and I, I camped out in this little hand-me-down tent I got for my, for my stepdad, a little, a little car camping, uh, site right near Uray and just had, you know, a great night. It was one of the first times I'd ever even been camping. And I, you know, just, I was just tickled by, by the whole experience, you know, having a fire and sitting there and, and making food over the campfire and stuff. And then, because I was so, uh, one of the things I kept on reading over and over was you have to start early, you have to start early, you have to start early. You know, nowadays I know that usually means for most peaks about sunrise, but, um, trying to be cautious and kind of doubting myself. I think I started at something silly like three or four in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> but the, the bonus of that was I was pretty high. I was already above tree line. I was kind of starting up the actual slope, climbing the side of Mount Snuffles by the time sunrise came up. And, uh, you know, I'd never experienced anything like that. I'd, uh, lived on the East Coast on the beach, went to college there, like I said, and, and I always said I'd, I'd love to, to wake up and go see a sunrise there. And I, you know, being a college student, I never actually roused myself out of bed. Uh, <laughs> so this, this 14 er mountain sunrise was, you know, one of the just most majestic things I'd ever seen. It, there's really no way to put it into words unless you've seen, you know, just it's something called, called Alpen Glow, where when the, the sun first starts hitting these peaks, they kind of just glow red and there's, uh, not much that's more beautiful than that. Oh yeah. And it was kind of funny. I, I didn't have any of the, the proper gear. You know, I, I'd went through, you know, some of uh, Jerry Roach's 14ers guidebook has, has some gear recommendations. Uh, 14ers.com has some basic gear recommendations and I kind of compiled, compiled what I could. You know, I went out and got, um, I think I had like $30 hiking boots from Walmart and thought that they were the greatest thing ever. And I, I had a 60 liter pack because I could only afford one pack. I was a, a newspaper journalist at the time getting paid like 22 grand a year. So I, I had this 60 liter Osprey pack. That's way too big for, for a day hike of a 14er. And, um, I had a little thin fleece and this, this 
raggedy old hat I found in some bargain bin somewhere. Uh, but I was nowhere near properly equipped, but you know, the, the higher and higher as I got, you know, I realized, you know, I, I can do this, you know, it's, it's scary. And there's adrenaline pumping through your veins and you're looking around and you're like, Oh my God, you know, am I in over my head? There's, you know, a thousand foot fall over there and there's a giant cliff over there. Uh, but you know, you, you stay on route and you just kind of focus on, on one foot in front of the other. Uh, try not to, to bite off too much at once and just try and get from, from one landmark to the next. And I finally got up to this, uh, this saddle, this, this coal on Sneffels. And you could just see, I mean, absolutely forever. I, I think you could see Northwest and Southeast and you could just see, you know, the, the plains of Utah. You could see, you know, all of the San Juan mountains. And it was just the views, I think, are, are one of the main reasons I, I keep on going back to the mountains because they're just absolutely stunning. You know, I, I probably took 300 photos during this first hike and, um, you take a left on the standard round amount snuffles and it gets progressively harder. It gets a little bit steeper. The rock gets a little bit looser and bigger. And so I'm pretty freaked out. And because I started so early, I was totally by myself. You know, I could see people way down, you know, 2000 feet below just starting up, but I was totally on my own. I was the first person up there that morning. And, uh, I got up, started climbing to, to where I started to get a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I, I couldn't see where to go. The, I finally got to this kind of cliff band and I looked down and there's, you know, a couple hundred foot drop, you know, pretty much everywhere I looked. And the only way I could see to go up was a, a pretty obvious, you know, class five rock climbing pitch. And so I kind of sat there and realized that, you know, this, this might be the summit. I don't know. I, I, I was so new to the whole thing. I, I didn't really understand much of what I was doing. I knew I was really close to the top. I could hardly breathe. Um, so I sat there and I, I took a couple, uh, took a couple pictures, took a, a selfie before selfies were a thing and called it good. I, you know, I thought I was on the top. I thought I was on the summit and then I get back down. I go all the way down. I'm, uh, Everybody I pass, I'm just super elated, super excited. You know, I'm just a little chatterbox. You know, I just summited my first 14er, you know, something, <laughs> something I didn't think was possible, especially for me. I'm high-fiving and giving advice and just being, you know, that annoying guy coming down the mountain and, uh, drive all the way back home. You know, I'm, I'm logging on to 14ers.com to uh, check my checklist off and, you know, upload my pictures to Facebook. And I look at the route guide once again and I see in the pictures the exact spot I was which was exactly 50 feet below the summit. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it turns out that that rock climbing pitch that stopped me, that cliff that scared me, uh, it's pretty easy to just walk around it. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, I, I had no mountain sense. I didn't know what to look for. I, you know, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. So it was just, it was a funny experience. And I kept uh, Mount Snuffles checked on my checklist for a couple months before I finally admitted to myself that I, I hadn't actually summited the mountain. Uh, but it was, it was kind of a, a cool full circle, full circle story. And that I, after that, I, I saved Mount Sneffels and saved that for my, uh, my final climb. So I was able to, to do that as my 14 or finisher. And, uh, it was, it was kind of eye opening to see how much I'd progressed, you know, over those, those two or three years and, you know, looking at the same terrain that had, had freaked me out so much. And then to look at it with a more experienced eye and realize that it was really not that big of a deal. Oh, that's cool. Why is it that people debate how many 14ers there are in Colorado? Uh, well, it, it comes down to a couple different criteria. The two main ones are what's called prominence, which if you think about, um, think about a, a camel's humps, you know, there's, there's the two peaks and then there's the saddle in beneath, uh, in between. And if they're, if from that saddle, from between those humps, if it's more than 300 feet to the summit of either peak, then it's considered a mountain by most people. It's called just the 300 foot rule. It's totally made up. There's no basis for it. There's no scientific reason that it's 300 feet. It's just 
somebody way back when said that's what a mountain was. And so if from that saddle, you're looking up at a peak and it's only 100 to 200 feet from that saddle, and there's a, a bigger peak on the other side of, of the of the saddle, then that's it's considered a sub-summit. It's just a bump along the ridgeline as you're heading up to that higher peak. Uh, so if you're going purely by the rule of if you're of 300 feet, then there's only 53 14ers. Uh, the problem with that list is that there are some that are just so incredibly iconic, like the Maroon Bells. South Maroon is a 14er to just about everybody. North Maroon Peak, because it shares a saddle with South Maroon and only rises, I don't know the exact number, it's like 240 feet, 260 feet, something like that. It doesn't meet the 300-foot criteria. Just looking at North Maroon from that perspective, it's not a mountain. But I, I think anybody, I think you said you've climbed North Maroon, you know, anybody who's climbed North Maroon or looked at North Maroon uh, is going to look at it and say, that's that's a mountain. So uh, there are a few that are kind of debated. And there's also the the other main criteria is that some of some of these mountains are named by the USGS. They have an official name on on maps. And regardless of the 300 foot rule, most people, if if it has an official name, then they'll call it a, a 14 or they'll call it an official mountain. So anywhere between 53 and 58, you know, there's there's a case for almost any any number you want to throw out there. Uh, 53 is for the purists. Uh, 54 is when you start throwing in some of these grandfathered mountains like North Maroon. Um, and then 58 includes all of them that are uh, named by the USGS and or or meet the 300 foot rule, like Cameron or Challenger Point or those. Or yeah, North Aeolus, uh, yeah, El, El Diente. And I, I personally, I think most people these days go by the list of 58. You know, if if somebody climbs 53 and says they climbed all the 14ers, then that's you know that that's up to them. One of the cool things about climbing 14ers is honestly, uh, the only person that cares is yourself. So as long as you're you have your list and you have your criteria and, and as long as you're happy with it, then more power to you. <laughs> I was on a mountain and a uh, 14 or talk. It's always common. You meet someone on the trail and they say, Hey, how many have you climbed? And it's, it's obviously cause they want to tell you how many that they've climbed. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of got weary of that conversation after a while because I thought, you know what? I, I'm really out here because I love hiking up mountains. It doesn't even have to be 14,000 feet for me to have a fantastic day. And I kind of changed my mind about it. And I kept climbing. And finally, one of my friends, while we were climbing a mountain, says, well, how many have you climbed? I said, I have no idea. I don't even keep track, you know. And then <laughs> he says, well, list them. And so he started counting them up for me. And uh, sure as the world, it was 39 and I was 39 years old. And suddenly it became a thing. You know, you got to do 40 by the time you're 40, you know, or, and it's fun because everyone sets their own personal goals, right? But you don't right. have to. But I look at this and I say, hey, why stop at 54? You're doing it because you love it. There are 58 opportunities and then go to the 13ers and you get another 600 and something. One of the biggest mistakes I think I made and almost everybody makes it is you, you do your first couple 14ers, you know, maybe you're just like, well, I, you know, I enjoy doing this. I don't want to do them all. And then you reach, you know, you get to, to 10 or 12 and you start to get bitten by the bug really hard. And then almost everybody just races through, you know, it's, I have to do all 58 as fast as possible. And I really regret doing that because it's, uh, it's a lot more about the experience and the journey than, you know, checking boxes in a list. And I, I always, I always say that it's, uh, you know, I finished the 14ers and I'm still waiting on my, you know, parade and thousand virgins and stuff like that. You know, nothing, <laughs> nothing changes. So now I, now I'm, I'm the same as you. It sounds like, you know, I, I kind of just, I do whatever sounds fun. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to do the 13ers list or the Centennials list, which is the top 100 highest in Colorado. 
uh, I'm just enjoying enjoying hiking and being outside with some good friends. Oh yeah, and to me that's what it's all about. And for that reason, the ones that I've climbed, I've climbed many of them three times, even though I have not climbed all 58. I just like to be out there. And you can, I'm sure, attest to this as well, but even the mountains that I've climbed three or more times, I would never say that I had the same climb. Right. Every day is different. Mm-hmm. This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC.com. 180TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com. Colorado Mountain Club members get the most out of the Colorado summers. We summit 14ers, enjoy relaxing fly fishing excursions, climb thousand foot rock faces, backpack through wilderness areas, explore the culture of Europe, raft through the Grand Canyon, and so much more. The Colorado Mountain Club teaches you the skills you need to safely maximize living in such an awesome outdoor playground, as well as connects you to thousands of other adventure-loving mountaineers. Founded in 1912, the Colorado Mountain Club acts as a gateway to the mountains for novices and experts alike. It's the perfect time to sign up for a membership. For more information, go to cmc.org. That's cmc.org. Hey, tell us about a time that things did not go right. And the goal here is to give people a little word of advice on things that can happen in the sport and ways that they can stay out of trouble or or manage if they find themselves in a tight spot. Sure. Uh, so, you know, to be honest, this is kind of a, a dark story. It's still kind of hard to tell, but uh, I think I, I took so many good lessons out of it and that it changed the way. It was a fundamental shift in the way I looked at, at mountaineering. Uh, so, you know, I feel like it's a good one to tell. It was in my early mid twenties, uh, when I really was getting into this and I'd done about 20 14ers. And, you know, when you're that age, you're bulletproof. And, uh, I, I never really considered, you know, you, you hear about accidents and you hear about people getting, you know, really messed up or, or killed on, on the 14ers. But, you know, in my experience, everything had been super easy and smooth. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where, well, yeah, that, that always happens to some other guy, but it never happens to me or anybody I know. Um, so we were doing, Snowmass Mountain, and I think this was number, I don't know, 22 or 23 for me. So I, you know, I was approaching halfway through the list, uh, and I'd never had anything even close to go wrong. Everything had been, you know, super easy to that point. I was hiking with my friend Dan, and Snowmass is, it's a really cool mountain. You, you hike up to Snowmass Lake. It's like a 20, 22 mile round trip. So you, you almost have, unless you're like a super ultra runner, you know, you almost have to pack in and camp. And so we hiked into Snowmass Lake, and it was just me and him, and we having a great time. He'd, he'd become one of my, good climbing buddies and he still is um but then you know we camped out this beautiful spot and then we started up the next morning uh before dawn because snowmass is aptly named it's uh just a big hunk of snow most most of the year and we get up there and, and sunrise hits and we're on the snow and we're having a great time you know 
we were even joking how, how perfect of a day in the mountains it was. And this uh, guy ends up coming up behind us and uh, he's, he's stays maybe, I don't know, five or 10 minutes behind us almost the entire day. You know, we're kind of waving at him and he's following our footsteps and stuff. We get up to the summit and, you know, we meet him. We snap pictures with him. His name was uh, Sean Wylam. And I remember just making the joke repeatedly about how it was just the perfect day in the mountains. You know, Dan and I were good friends. We were joking around the whole time. You know, it was just a picture, picture, perfect day. And there's a, uh, there's an add on peak, uh, extra credit is what uh, people call it, uh, called North Snow Mass that Dan and I, you know, it was, it was still early. You know, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. We were feeling good. So we're like, oh, we're going we're to go over to the, you know, do North Snow Mass. And, uh, we invited Sean to come with us and he, de- he declined. He said, you know, he was tired. He was just going to back down to camp and, and rest for a bit before hiking back out to the car. Uh, so, you know, we went our separate ways and Dan and I were about halfway to North Snow Mass when we heard this giant, I mean, the earth shook, you know, this, this giant, it sounded like exactly what it was. It sounded like an avalanche of rocks. And, uh, you know, we kind of look at each other and we're like, something's wrong. And then within a couple of minutes, there's a guy standing on the summit of Snowmass yelling, uh, asking if we have medical training, if we have uh, a spot device, you know, to call in emergency rescue. And so, you know, we immediately turn around, we abandon North Snowmass and go back and try and help. Uh, and the guy we'd been talking to, Sean, had, he'd been stuck in this rock slide and he was, briefly unconscious and he was still alive and he had a, a badly, badly broken leg. Um, but we stayed with him and waited for rescue for, I think about a total of six hours. Wow. There with him. They were finally able, uh, mountain rescue Aspen, which is an absolutely amazing organization. You know, I, I've gotten to know some of those guys over the years and they're, uh, they're all just the best, the best at what they do. Uh, but they were able to get a helicopter down and, and hiked up and, uh, we're able to stabilize Sean and then they got him back down to the helicopter and, and he took off and, you know, we thought everything was fine. Turned out we didn't find out until we were back to the car. We got cell phone service and, um, found out that he'd actually passed away in the helicopter. But the, wow. um, so you, you guys had him there for six hours and then in the helicopter, he didn't make it. Yeah. It just, you know, too much blood. There wasn't really much we could do. And, you know, the, the takeaway that, that we got from it, was that there was literally nothing that, that Sean had done wrong. You know, he wasn't off route. He wasn't making a bad decision. He, you know, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He, he was just, he stepped on the wrong rock that set off this, this big rock slide at the wrong time. And, you know, if, if, if we hadn't gone for North Snowmass, it just as easily could have been us. And, uh, the takeaway I took from that was, like I said, you know, you're, you're 24, you've done 2014ers, you know, you're, you're king badass and you think you can do anything. And then you see something like that and you realize that, you know, this, this, it is a dangerous sport and anything can happen at any time. And so I, I really, from that moment on, I, I think I transformed into a, a much more cautious climber. I think pretty much all my climbing partners will, will say, I, I'm always the first one to say, well, you know, let's, let's back off. Let's turn around. Let's, let's come back another day. Uh, you know, it's not feeling right. The weather looks bad. I'm tired. We're not moving fast enough. You know, whatever the excuse may be, you know, it, it's always best to have a cautious approach and take nothing for granted because, you know, no, Nobody, nobody's safe. You know, you could be doing uh, one of the easy ones, Mount Bierstadt, and get stuck in a, in a freak lightning storm or, you know, same thing could happen. You know, a freak rock slide that happens once every hundred years could could happen. You know, it's it's uh, definitely never take the mountains for granted. Always approach them with respect and uh, always be willing to turn around. I I kind of get a kick out of people that, that brag about, oh, I've only I've only turned around twice. I've only been turned around twice in my, you know, 60 hikes. And, you know, I, I kind of consider it more of a badge of honor that you do turn around because it means most of the time you're you're listening to, to the mountain and to yourself and uh, making a good decision. Oh, yeah. Situational awareness 
You know, yeah. what's going on with the weather? I, a lot of things can happen that you wouldn't even expect. I mean, if the temperature drops, but it's a nice pretty day, mm-hmm. but it gets below freezing up above you, sometimes that triggers a rock slide just because the ice that forms pushes something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember sitting in a, a high alpine valley one night as the temperature was dropping, just uh, listening to the rock slides on all sides of me coming down one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it was perfect weather. It's just that the temperatures dropped enough and there was enough moisture around that I was amazed at the number of rock slides that were triggered just by a drop in temperature. Oh, yeah. And and you'll, you'll see, I mean, especially this time of year when there's uh, wet avalanches, you know, you'll see it, it could just be this tiny little snow slide, but if you get caught in it and it carries you over some rocks or something, you know, and, and I've, seen, uh, I've seen blizzards in mid-July, I've seen February days that, you know, I'm in a t-shirt, like you need, you never know what to expect in the mountains and you have to, you really have to approach them with every bit, every ounce of respect. Yeah. I think it's important for people to get some training, get some awareness, learn all that they can about what can happen in the mountains and then, um, develop that sense of situational awareness, you know, be on mm-hmm. your guard a little bit, enjoy yourself. And it is an adventure, you know, it's not just a hard hike. <laughs> There's more to it than that. In some cases, I one time on Pyramid, we were being real careful not to climb below anybody because Pyramid is prone to rock slides. And uh, suddenly there was a rock slide above us. It missed us, but we looked up to see what had caused it, and it was a herd of mountain goats. You know, yep. the climbers were being careful, but the goats didn't care. <laughs> and so yeah, I thought, that's... boy, what would that be like? They'd be killed by a herd of mountain goats. Yeah, and those goats are all over Pyramid. Oh, I've yeah. I've Pyramid twice. I've always seen goats up there. Yeah, it's crazy. Beautiful though. What a what an amazing oh, yeah. mountain. One of my favorite fourteener hikes for sure. Yeah, it's it's the only mountain where I saw someone fall and he was roped up, but he took a serious fall and was okay because of the rope. But I thought, wow, <laughs> it gets your <Right>. attention. <laughs> well, do you have a, a funny story for us about climbing fourteeners? Sure. So yeah, I'll, I'll transition from my uh, my darkest story to my to my best story. I don't, I don't know if I would call it. It is funny in a way, but you know, it's, it's one of those things when somebody asks, what's the, what's the coolest story you have? This is it. Um, so I was, I was hiking with my buddy Andrew and we were doing Gray's Peak by a, a snow route, a snow climbing route where we used crampons and an ice axe, uh, called Lost Route Couloir. It was the middle of summer, so it was a really crowded trail, but we, we left the summer trail and, and made our way over to our snow route. And, you know, we put on our crampons and helmet and started climbing up. And, uh, there's just sore, I mean, probably 200 people on the summer trail. And, um, it's kind of, kind of weird because we, you know, we found ourselves isolated after being surrounded by all these people and we're about halfway up the snow climb and we see this, uh, I don't know, this, this thing kind of just sitting in the, the middle of the, the couloir. The couloir is like a, a goalie of snow and we get closer to it. And my first thought is that, you know, it looks kind of like a, like a fox or something. I don't know what the heck this thing is. You know, it can't be a, a marmot. It's too cute. And, uh, <laughs> and we get closer and closer and we kind of see that there's something shining on its tag and it's a, um, a collar and it's, it's actually a, you know, kind of a, a coyote looking dog and it looks real lean and it's kind of, uh, kind of whimpering. And so we get up there and get closer and it, it kind of growls at us a little bit and you can tell it's just terrified. And, uh, you know, we threw it, I think a turkey sandwich and, you know, some jerky and then uh, she finally let us approach and get up there. And, and what had happened was the summer trail kind of weaved right kind of close to these cliffs that formed the walls of the lost track cool we were climbing and, the dog had been off leash and was chasing uh, some sort of animal, probably a mountain goat, and just just fell over. It couldn't stop itself and fell over this cliff. Wow. And it, 
It had broken, uh, I think, one or both of its back legs. It had been there overnight, so it survived a night out in you know freezing weather and the snow. At that point, you know, we were we were closer to the to the summit of or the the top of the couloir of our route, and we knew that the summer trail was right there, and so we figured it would be easier to just keep climbing up and then walk down the summer trail than try and you know get this dog down this steep snow we we just climbed up, and uh, we didn't we didn't have a rope or anything, so that's what we did. We took turns uh, just carrying this dog, which was actually really docile and nice. And, you know, was licking our faces as we climbed and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was no easy feat. I mean, the dog was like, I don't know, probably 35, 40 pounds, if I could guess. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's a load. Yeah. So, so we took turns, you know, every, every 50 feet or so we'd switch off and we, we finally did get back up to the summer trail and, uh, you know, the dog had tags and, and Gray's is so close to Denver. We actually had cell phone service and we were able to call the owner, who had had a long, frantic, sleepless night worrying about her dog and, you know, let her know that, you know, we had her, the dog's name was Loki and we had her and we were bringing her down and, you know, we'd meet her at, uh, I think we were closest to Idaho Springs. So we're like, we're, we're, we'll try and find a vet in Idaho Springs or if not, we'll stop in Golden or Lakewood or, you know, the first vet we can find, um, or the first emergency hospital. And, uh, you know, she was ecstatic and just to hear her, how relieved she was, you know, she'd been trying to get, well, there had been a mountain rescue party out that previous night and, you know, she was going to hike back up and, and, you know, obviously she was distressed. This, this is the story where it really hit home for me, how, how great pretty much everybody that hikes 14ers is too, because as we were heading down, um, Loki still couldn't walk, you know, so we, we were still carrying her. It was much easier going downhill on a trail, but almost everybody we passed of these 200 people on the mountain, you know, uh, offered water or food. You know, we had a couple guys that even turned around on their ascent, you know, was, I think it was their first time trying to climb grades and they turned around just to, to help us, you know, spell us carrying this dog back down to the car. Wow. Uh, so, you know, everybody, everybody that hikes 14ers is so nice and willing to help. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was really, really cool to, you know, feel like we were, uh, we were heroes for a day. You know, we made, we made an impact in, in somebody's life and, uh, Loki ended up making a full recovery. She's fine. Um, I still, still hear from the owner every, every year or so just as an update. So yeah, it was, it, that's probably the best story I have. Oh, that's neat. And I couldn't agree more. The The people I've met climbing are all delightful. And I think it's true for any adventure sport, really, when people are sharing a common interest and they're out there to have fun and they're meeting other people um, that they know they have something in common with, it, it, it sets up just the right social atmosphere for great experiences and exchanges and not to discount people in general, because I think that almost all people are basically great people if you get to know them, but right. the adventure sport gives the opportunity to get to know them. Right. It's, it's an amazingly small community too, especially once you get into people that are, are trying to do all the 14ers, you know, there's, there's people that just want to do one and, and say they've done it and call it good. But, you know, once you get people that are in their, their teens and twenties and their 14er list, uh, it becomes an amazingly small tight knit community. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be out on some obscure mountain, you know, you'll, you'll think you won't see anybody else. And then you'll run into, you know, some guy you've hiked three peaks with, you know, Oh, John, you're here too. You know, it's, it's crazy how, how often that happens, but yeah, it, there, there's positives and negatives of being such a small community. You know, there's a lot of, of silly arguments and stuff too, but I think for the most part, you know, everybody's on the same page and, and just loves being outdoors and, and climbing and hiking. Oh yeah. It is a fantastic sport. No doubt about that. Tell us about any projects you might have in the works. What's next on your adventure calendar? Well, I actually, um, you know, I, I've moved, I've moved from the 14ers. Like I said, they're, they're mountaineering 101. And, you know, I've, I've climbed Rainier a couple times. I've climbed up in the Tetons a couple times. Uh, but now my, my new passion is, is ice climbing. So I'm, I'm melting here in the summer, but I'm waiting for uh, November to come back when the ice returns. But it's, it's 
just the world of mountaineering is, is so great. And I think the, the best thing anybody can do to introduce themselves to that world is to, to climb the 14ers because it opens up so many doors, you know, uh, once people graduate from the 14ers, it, it's amazing how many different ways people go, you know, p- people turn to, to ultra running and run, you know, like the level 100 mile race, or they start ice climbing, or they get really into rock climbing, or they travel across the world and climb Everest, you know, um, you know, it's, it's really just, it's a great gateway to anything you want to do mountain related. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Very cool. Well, Hey, tell us a little bit about the Colorado mountain club, if you would. And we know that you work there and it's a mountain related organization. So what's this about? Right. So, uh, the CMC has been around, uh, since 1912, over a hundred years. We were instrumental in helping form Rocky Mountain National Park, which this year is celebrating its 100th anniversary. So that's been a lot of my job uh, this year is helping promote that centennial celebration. But the CMC has a couple different silos, if you will. One of the coolest things we do is the youth education program, uh, which is a lot of what our fundraisers and a lot of our, of our money goes toward. And what we do is we connect youth, and especially a lot of the times youth that are, you know, inner city, don't necessarily come from a lot of money, you know, haven't, haven't had access to the outdoors at all. And we'll take them for the first time up to, to North Table Mountain outside of Golden to go rock climbing, or we'll take them on their first camping trip ever when they've, you know, hardly ever even had tennis shoes that holes in them. And then, you know, they get hiking boots and get to go up and hike around in the mountains and do all these, you know, fun activities. And then, you know, there's, there's an education component where they go into schools and teach them some science and physics and geology and stuff as well. Uh, so youth education is, I think, one of the coolest things we do. And then, of course, we have our, um, our members where we have about 5,000 members, slightly less than 5,000 members, and they go out almost daily on group hikes and climbs, everything from, you know, after work cycles to climbing 14ers to multi-day trips to uh, adventure travel across the world. You know, our, our members are our lifeblood and they are all volunteers and they all put these trips together. And like I said, there's, there's something going on daily. And on top of that, we run, I don't know the exact number, but every month there's probably a half dozen to a dozen schools uh, from basic rock climbing to intro to hiking to winter camping to high altitude, high altitude mountaineering school. You know, anything you can imagine that relates to the Colorado mountains, we, we teach. And a lot of times our rates are, are very competitive, especially like if you look at some of the guide services and stuff, our classes, uh, that are teach a very similar curriculum or, you know, could be a hundred dollars less. Um, so we're pretty proud of, of what we teach people and connecting people who, you know, like me, you know, if you, if you move here and you don't know anything and you don't know the difference between the summit of Mount Snuffles and not the summit of Mount Snuffles, um, you know, the, the CMC can, can help you learn that those skills in a safe way. Um, and then we also have a, a conservation arm where we go out and do, do trail building and trail maintenance and just try and keep, keep giving back to the mountains that we love. Something that I kind of clued in there is that people in our society, they, they easily become isolated. You know, you get home from work, you watch TV or, you know, you do this or that. It, it sometimes it's hard to connect. And sounds like the Colorado Mountain Club with all of these trips and this many members, what a great opportunity to meet people that enjoy similar things that you enjoy. Yeah. And, and we have, um, you know, members of all ages. We start with, uh, we have the youth education program and then we have an Alpine start group, which is for, um, 18 to, I believe, 24 year olds or 21, 18 to 21 year olds. And then we have a group we call Trailblazers, which is for 21 to uh, 39 year olds. No matter your age or your interests, you know, there's, there's a group or there's something going on, uh, within the CMC that, you know, you can get involved with, with, make some friends, learn some skills. And we just started this year for, for anybody listening in the, the Denver area. We started our, 
a happy hour series. That's the, um, I think the next one is at Jagged Mountain Brewing downtown in downtown Denver on July 8th. I think that's the Wednesday. And, you know, we just get together. There's no, there's no point. There's no sell or anything. It's just getting people together that want to, you know, drink good beer and talk about mountains. Um, and we're going to continue that series in August and September and October at uh, Barrels and Bottles in downtown Golden as well. Very cool. So a fantastic place to get to know other people. So how does someone become a member? So you can just uh, log on to our website, which is cmc.org. Um, if you want to jump straight to the, the join website, it's cmc.org slash join. But it's, it's easy to navigate if you just get to the homepage. And we do have a, a, a special discount code running right now. If you are join, are signing up as a new member, if you use hike more, one word, uh, as the discount code, it will save you $25. And um, so the CMC is, is broken down into different uh, groups by location. There's like, there's the Denver group, Fort Collins group, you know, Boulder group. Um, you know, there's groups throughout the state and each of them kind of runs their own. They can set their own pricing structure and stuff. So there's not one set cost for joining the CMC. It basically depends on what group you want to get involved with. Uh, but we do have one that's friends of the CMC, which is basically just a supporter level. You know, you, you don't necessarily want to get involved with the, the, the trips or you don't really see yourself taking any classes, but you know, you really like the youth education and the conservation we do, and you just want to support the club. And I think that's, uh, I think it's 30 or $40 to join that way. Uh, sadly, the $25 off doesn't apply to that membership, but <laughs> if, if you use uh hike more as a discount code, when you join, it'll save you 25 bucks. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes along with the Colorado mountain club website. Um, other ways to get in touch with the Colorado mountain club. My job is to run a lot of our, our social media. So you can find us on, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, we launched an Instagram last year, which is doing really well. Um, I would say the number one, the best way, if you want to get news from the, from the CMC is to follow us on Facebook and we're pretty easy to find, uh, just, just search for Colorado mountain club. So by, uh, getting involved with the Colorado mountain club, you can learn a lot of these mountaineering skills that can help keep you safe as you explore the mountaineering sports. And if you're uh, new to it or you're someone who wants to meet a lot of other people that enjoy mountaineering, the Colorado Mountain Club might be for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, we our classes and our hikes range the full spectrum from, uh, you know, whether you've never set foot on a trail before to if you want to go climb Mount Everest. You know, there's there's classes for everybody, no matter what stage of, of your mountaineering progress anybody's in. You know, you can jump right in uh, whatever current level you're at and just, you know, keep keep progressing and and we take a lot of pride in, in being very, um, very safe and thorough. And we teach a lot of, a lot of skills that, um, will help people, you know, stay alive and really enjoy, you know, a successful lifetime of mountaineering. One thing I forgot when I was explaining what the CMC does is we have the, the CMC press as well, which is our, our publishing arm. It's our, we have nearly 50 guidebooks and we come out with, I mean, we're almost continuously coming out with new guidebooks. Of course, we have our, our 14ers guidebook. We have, um, best front range hikes. We're going to have some new skiing and ice climbing guidebooks coming out in the next year. It, yeah, it's, it's nearly 50 books that any any interest that people have in the mountains, whether it's wildflowers or geology or rock climbing or scrambling, uh, we probably have a guidebook for it. And you can find those uh, on our website as well. All right. Well, have any uh, parting thoughts for us, advice for people that want to try mountaineering? Yeah. I mean, like you said way earlier in the show, it, it's a it's a big mental barrier and that's the hardest, I think that's the hardest part of any 14er. And so just, just go into it with an open mind and be optimistic and, and know that you can do it. It's not, it's not something that's not achievable. 
as long as you set your mind to it and keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and make sure you're, you're eating and drinking and, and listening to your body, you know, it's, it's something that just about everybody can accomplish. So I, I would say don't, don't get in your own head. Don't talk yourself out of it. Just wake up ridiculously early one morning, drive to the trailhead and give it a shot. I, I think that's awesome. And I can personally attest to the value of mountaineering, climbing these 14ers. It's such a healthy sport, such an amazing experience, a great way to make great memories and, and great friends too. So I highly encourage our listeners, give it a shot. Come out to Colorado if you don't live here and climb a mountain. It's really cool. Yeah. And, and if anybody has any, any questions or just wants to chat about it, you know, you can reach me. My, it's Jeff Golden at cmc.org. It's pretty easy and I'm, I'm here every day. So I'll, I'll respond. Cool, Jeff. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, you bet. And for all of our listeners out there until our next show, get out there and have some fun. like to be a guest on a future show just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click the contact us button 